not yours. <clears throat> um, this week, the title of our message is Guarding the Flock. I have a video I want to show you. This is actual video. You guys got the video ready? This is actual video of Jesus shepherding me. So whenever you guys got that, yeah, this is, this is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus shepherding. That's your pastor. I'm the, that's your pastor. Okay, I'm free. Thank goodness. Get me out of here. Whoops. Oh, no. Oh, it's right back into it. It's just, that's just Jesus shepherding me. Um, yeah. Have you ever, have you ever heard the term sheeple? Is it an insult? Like if somebody calls you, you know, you're just a bunch of sheeple. Is that an insult? What does it mean? It's not a compliment. We know that. <laughs> you ever hear the phrase like dumb sheep? Are you being led like sheep? Nobody likes to be called a sheep. But here's the flip side of sheep. They're very useful livestock. They provide wool and protein. Delish. Delish. I had some, I had some lamb this week. It was delicious. You know what else they do? They keep fields from being overgrown. Uh, like when a farmer is rotating crops in the first century, they would put, they would have shepherd bring their sheep to that to that field to make sure they didn't get overgrown. So they have some usefulness. But <clears throat> sheep are very high maintenance. They get lost easily. They can't find their way back home when they get lost. They have to have somebody come and get them and lead them back. And did you know? I don't know if you know this, but sheep actually have very delicate digestive systems. When a pasture is depleted, they are unable to find a new pasture on their own because they'll go to another pasture that has bad grass or the wrong type of grass or poisonous grass, then they'll get sick and then they'll die. And you know that sheep are very finicky about the type of water they can drink. They can only drink clean water but it can't be like water that is running from a stream or a river. It has to be stagnant Clean water, not too hot <laughs> and not too cold. It's got to be just right. You know, the moving streams, the reason they can't drink from moving streams is because they're kind of weak and they'll get knocked over and then carried off and they'll drown. This is true. And the other thing about sheep, they're very filthy animals. Everything sticks to their wool because of this thing called lanolin, Right? And so they got mud, you got sticks, you got dust, everything just sticks to their wool, and they have no way to clean themselves. You know what else about sheep? They're really easy, juicy, meaty targets for predators. Sheep are sweet, they're adorable, they're useful, but man, are they pitiful. <laughs> they are simple. And the way, the way the young people would say it, they basic. All right? They're just basic. Why does Jesus call us sheep? Spiritually, we are, in fact, just like sheep. We are easily distracted. We're easily lost. We're very vulnerable. We need to be shepherded. And that's why Peter says in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, So I exhort the elders among you as, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that will be revealed. That's a fascinating verse, by the way. We'll break it down for you. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appear, appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. <clears throat> Look at the history of today's passage. I want to talk about wandering Peter. The first thing I want you to see is this idea that Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. Probably no disciple, probably, right, had a better understanding of why the church is compared to a flock of sheep than Peter. For example, one day after breakfast, Peter just randomly sing, Jesus just randomly singles Peter out and asks him the same question three times. Jesus said, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, well, then feed my sheep. He asked him that question three times. And the third time, Peter was really frustrated. Scripture says Peter was grieved. Why is Jesus asking me if I love him? He says, this is what Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus gives him the same answer. Well, then feed my sheep. <clears throat> How would you feel if Jesus did that to you? Asked you the same question three times in a row. Well, it's going to happen today in this sermon. It was such a significant story that John recorded it in his gospel. See, the apostles knew Jesus was teaching them as he was grilling Peter three times in a row. They actually all knew that he was talking to all of them. Jesus was teaching something very important here. And frankly, this is a big deficiency in our American churches today. I know I've been ripping on the American church a lot, but I can't help it when I compare the first century church in 1 Peter to the one we have today. See, not only is feeding sheep not a priority in the American church, in many ways, feeding the sheep of Jesus has become a nuisance. American churches are full of sheep with no real interest and helping shepherd other sheep. Instead, what we're doing is we are sheep that are constantly running from one flock to another, searching for our pasture that is best for us and our families. But Peter understood what it meant to be a sheep. That's what's beautiful about today's passage. Peter understood what it meant to be a wandering, panicked, frightened sheep. Remember the story of Jesus rebuking Peter because he chopped off the ear of the soldier that was trying to arrest Jesus? Remember that story? Remember how Peter swore he would never leave Jesus' side and, and certainly wouldn't deny him, even if it meant death? Remember that? And less than 24 hours later, Peter denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed? That's the third time we've mentioned that story in our study of 1 Peter. There's a reason. But what did Peter do? Peter ran when the rooster crowed, and he kept watching Jesus suffer, but he did it out of fear from a safe distance. Remember that. How many times in our study of the Gospel of Mark did we see Peter vocally unable and unwilling to grasp what Jesus was teaching about him having to die? Remember that? They still couldn't get it. Peter was with Jesus for three years, saw miracles, heard him teach, and Peter knew Jesus was God. In fact, the Scripture makes it very clear Peter really loved Jesus. Peter 
when Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs to preach, perform miracles himself through the power of Jesus. Peter was, in fact, a bold, courageous, strong, and confident little sheep in the flock. He had the best resume of any other sheep around. But when Jesus suffered, Peter ran like a frightened sheep, watching from a distance, and then the enemy moved in. This is why Peter is also a humble shepherd. This is all still the history. Here we are 30 years later after that, after that worst moment in his life, right? That worst moment where he, he witnessed, he says, I witnessed the sufferings of Jesus. And we know how he witnessed them as a frightened sheep from a distance. He catalogs for us his worst moment. But here we are 30 years later, Peter has decades of loving, shepherding, and encouraging the church. See, Peter fully understood not only the challenge of leading Jesus' sheep, but also the challenge of being one of Jesus' precious sheep. His past experiences made him a confident but humble shepherd. He knows how easy it is to wander. There isn't a bone of arrogance or self-righteous elder facade with Peter. He doesn't have this facade of invincibility. He is humble, transparent, and vulnerable. His history as a wandering sheep gives him compassion, gives him credibility, and enhances his authoritative voice because of it. That's why he starts off chapter 5 with, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ. That phrase right there, it's a memory of the moments of his greatest failure. But later on, he will also remember the moment of his greatest honor, and we'll get into that right now in our spiritual section. Let's talk about the chief shepherd. He says, shepherd the flock until the chief shepherd returns. Look what Jesus says about himself in the Gospel of John. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So throughout 1 Peter, right, Peter has warned them, you've got to stay loyal to one another. You've got to fight to be unified. You've got to make each other a priority. Stay together. Stay true to each other no matter what because when the fiery trials come, you're not going to be able to survive alone. Everything that Peter has taught them to this point could only be done as a part of what he describes, a loyal, trustworthy flock. And all throughout the Old Testament, and the new, you see this image of the people of God as a sheep needing a shepherd. A shepherd who loves his flock enough to stand in between us and any danger. He, he's a shepherd even willing to die for us. He is, in fact, a great shepherd. The best. Without our good shepherd, we are completely lost starving, wounded, vulnerable spiritual sheep. Who wants to be vulnerable, reliant, dirty, easily led astray? Nobody wants that, but I got news for you. Spiritually, that's exactly who you are. I don't care how strong a person you think you are. You are these things. We all are. It's very humbling. But it's a great picture of just how spiritually desperate we are without our good shepherd. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 10. That John chapter 10 is a great chapter about 
the great shepherd. <clears throat> my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Keep in mind that first part of the phrase, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That will come back later. I feel like in America, we've lost that. We're arrogant sheep. We're thinking we're following Jesus, but in fact, we are just wandering. If you are one who's constantly wandering, detached from the flock for whatever reason it is, you know what? It is possible it's because you do not hear his voice and you do not follow him. But there is this idea of the shepherd's return. Why would Peter and the elders risk everything to feed the sheep of Jesus? It's all about the return of the chief shepherd. Peter calls himself a partaker in the glory to come. He says, a witness to his sufferings and a partaker of the glory to come. In the beginning, what he does is he connects this to the return of Jesus. We get further insight into what he means by partaker of the glory to come in 2 Peter, which we'll study after this book. The specific event that Peter is referring to is right here in 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 and 18. You're going to love it. We did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He was? Well, yes. In verse 18, we ourselves heard this very voice, the voice that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. We heard this voice born from heaven, for we were with him, Jesus, on the holy mountain. That is the transfiguration. Peter says, I witnessed his suffering, my greatest failure, but I also partook in his glory to come, my greatest honor, my greatest moment. What did he say? Jesus, can we just stay here? Can we just build three tents and hang out right here with you and Moses and Elijah? So those two things, he bookends his worst failure and his greatest honor. He says, my worst failure was how I saw Jesus suffer. My greatest honor is when I got a glimpse, a part, gave me an opportunity to be a partaker of the glory to come. That was his greatest moment ever, the greatest mountaintop experience in the history of mankind. Can you imagine? So why would anyone in their right mind want to shepherd a flock of high-maintenance sheep? Like yourselves, it's both together. Here's why. It is our greatest moment when we see Jesus for who he is and our worst moment when we understand our desperation. Those two moments combined give us the inspiration and the motivation to shepherd one another. It inspires relentless, humble shepherding of the flock, inspired by our desperation and the future glory, the return of the great shepherd, Jesus. Peter and the disciples and the elders, frankly, in the church he's writing, they don't want the flock to be scattered when the great shepherd returns. It needs to be fed. It needs to be protected. It needs to be cared for. It needs to be kept together. That's what Jesus said you will do if you truly love him. You will be inspired to feed his sheep and to keep them connected with one another. Peter also warns the younger. He says younger. By younger, he doesn't mean just age. He means age and also wisdom and experience. Those who maybe are new to the faith. 
says, you got to be ready for the return of the chief shepherd too. Well, how is that? You got to stay with the flock. You got to humbly submit to your elders in humility. Don't be foolish, young sheep. Don't be arrogant wanderers in other dangerous pastures. In humility, you younger, recognize you need your shepherds. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's quoting James, by the way, who wrote the book of James three years earlier in about 61 AD. How cool is that? Isn't that awesome? See, here's what's going on. He's saying, you younger people, if you don't stay with the flock, if you don't recognize you need a pastor or pastors or shepherds, you are arrogant, and God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The tie is undeniable. That is the spiritual part. I went through it kind of quick, but you can see there's a lot there, right? I mean, it's just, Peter's just a brilliant writer. The personal section today is called Keeping the Flock Together. This was my sermon preview this week. Sheep won't survive wandering from the flock unless a shepherd brings them back. The same is true for followers of Jesus. Look, we all need people to shepherd our souls, to protect us, to guide us to green pastures that are safe to eat, to lead us beside still waters, Psalm 23, to keep us safe and to restore our soul. The Lord is my shepherd. When while, he wait, while we wait for his return, he's given us other shepherds. We need this. To keep us safe, to keep us ready for the return of the great shepherd. And as your pastor and the pastor-shepherd team together, we too know, all of us as a team, the shepherding team, we know what it's like to be scattered sheep, don't we, pastor-shepherd team? We know what it's like to be starving, frightened sheep. We know, because we know our worst moments. It's very humbling. You know, there have been times, several times in the last five years, probably twice a year or more. Okay, twice a month or more. <laughs> I've had to humbly reach out to my pastor, Elder Brian Yost. You guys know that, right? He's my pastor. He's one of the overseers of this church. If there's ever a problem with Pastor Joe, Brian's the one you run to. I was struggling. As your pastor, things happening within our church discouraged me, distracted me, overwhelmed me. I was fighting anxiety, depression, fear of failure as a pastor. I desperately needed to be shepherded. Sheep as prone to wander as the rest of the flock, yet we are called to look after other wandering sheep. It's frightening. But Peter says to shepherd the flock of God among you. And I'm glad he put it that way. It's not the flock that is beneath you, but around you, among you, next to you. There's a sense of humility of shepherding the flock of God among you. We aren't better as a pastor or a pastor-shepherd team. We aren't better than any of you. But for some reason, God has entrusted us as sheep to keep track and shepherd other sheep. 
I have a quote for you from a guy named John MacArthur. It's really great. I love the way he puts this. It's as if God said, here, these belong to me. Protect them. Feed them. Water them. Purify them. Oh, and you'll give an account someday for what you do. This isn't a walk in the park. It's immensely challenging. It is challenging. It's intimidating. Have you ever, some of you maybe not, but I have you ever been nervous holding someone's newborn child? Like, okay. Scared of miss, not just dropping, but mishandling. Like, you know, the, the head, you got to keep your hand on the head. You know, it's just, okay, here, thanks. Don't, don't go far. <laughs> okay, can you put your hands underneath? Okay, you know, I, I get nervous. That's what it's like being a shepherd, Jesus' sheep. Our role as a shepherd team is to make decisions and take actions to assure the flock among us can thrive. We as a shepherd team have this responsibility to be certain you are fed, spiritually and sometimes even physically. That's right. We have the responsibility to be sure that you're safe from predators like false teaching or cultural idolatry that you fall into. We have the responsibility to make sure you and we hear and obey the shepherd's commands. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. We have the responsibility to oversee all the resources of the flock, financial human resources, uh, things that we have, equipment. We have to oversee all those resources to make sure we use them wisely, timely, and efficiently. Church, these are incredibly difficult tasks. Frankly, they're impossible if the sheep are constantly detached from the flock. That's always job number one of any shepherd. Keep the flock together. You can't do any of the other jobs if you have constantly disconnected sheep everywhere. All the other important jobs are much easier when the flock is unified, when the flock has made a priority out of loyalty to one another. But when the sheep start to scatter, it's almost impossible. It's very difficult. Look, we cannot shepherd you through fiery trials that Peter warns about, the ones that will verify your faith. We can't shepherd you through those when you're constantly scattered, wandering, and disconnected. That's why grace groups are coming in the new year. As your pastor and as the pastor shepherd team, we're going to try our best in response to what we're learning in 1 Peter to keep the flock together. But... All we like sheep have gone astray, Isaiah says. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that's my goal today for the rest of this sermon, to convince and encourage some of you who may be wandering to hear his voice, to follow him and return to the flock. So what does a wandering sheep look like anyway? Well, for starters, you're always looking for other pastors to feed yourself. You allow other appetites to draw you away. You start to believe that somehow in your arrogance, you can live, learn, and serve alone. It won't 
work. Jesus did not set it up that way. I can tell you now, for followers of Jesus, that mythical live, love, and serve alone pasture doesn't exist. It's like the pot of gold at the end of a rainbow. You'll never find it. You'll just keep wandering and wandering and wandering, and before you know it, your life is a catastrophic mess. You'll go astray. You'll lose your way. It is, in fact, the opposite of humility. It's arrogant selfishness. I can shepherd myself. No, you can't. I can't. Now, the other way that sheep are wandering is they'll stay close enough to the flock just to get some benefits, little spiritual snacks, I call them. But you're still on your own. See, habitual wandering from the flock, you know what it actually reveals? It reveals contempt for other annoying sheep. (laughs) And believe me, we are annoying. See, listen, you can't say that you hear his voice and follow him if you are regularly separated from his flock for whatever excuses you can come up with. Sorry. Just a fact. So I tell you today, return to the shepherd. He's calling. Peter says in chapter 2, verse 25, we went over this. Remember, he talked about sheep before. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Some of you have been habitual wanders. Stop always wandering for every little distraction, please. It's hard enough to shepherd the flock as it is. It's time to prove that you actually hear the good shepherd's voice and follow him. We need to stay together as a flock. Listen to his voice today. Humbly confess that you've been wandering. Admit you need the shepherd to bring you back. All of us need humility to admit that we're prone to wander, needing to be shepherded and stay together for protection. It is, ironically, that humility that liberates you from the hopeless burden of wandering for your magical solitude pasture. Frees you from the liberty or from the burden of wandering throughout life looking for a way to belong. It's humility that brings you back to the safety of his flock as we all together, shepherding one another, await for the return of the chief shepherd. And just as much as you feel like you rely on me or the shepherd team to shepherd you and guide you and feed you and comfort you. We rely upon you. It's really hard when we are prone to wander ourselves to keep running after sheep that wander on their own. When you are part of the flock, you aren't just the sheep. You must 
Help us shepherd the flock that is among you, that is right next to you. When you see a brother or a sister part of our flock that is wandering, maybe we can't see it yet. Grab them and say, no, don't wander. Pastor Joe, shepherd team, we need some help. We all need humility to recognize we need shepherding among us. I need shepherding more than many of you. Just ask Laura. She'll tell you. Oh, he needs shepherding. <laughs> Church, Jesus' sheep will always hear his voice and always follow him. If you don't, you aren't really part of the flock and you won't survive these fiery trials to come. As a flock, we will survive together any fiery trial to come. Any fiery trial that just one of our sheep will face, we will survive it together. You know why? Because he promised early on, I read the verse, no man can snatch us out of the good shepherd's hand because his sheep know him and he knows us, and we hear his voice. We follow. Heavenly Dad, this job of shepherding is intimidating. It's hard. Lord, give us the humility to confess the arrogance or the contempt that keeps us from wanting to shepherd the flock of God among us. Lord, we are prone to wander and we feel it as the old hymn says. We are prone to leave the God we love. So we confess today, we are wandering sheep, hopeless and desperate, without the flock. For those that are here today or those listening on the live stream or in the podcast, Later on, I pray that you would use this to inspire them and encourage them to come back, stay close to the flock, to help us shepherd the flock among us. Lord, help us to learn what it means to make a priority out of our loyalty to the flock, our unity with the flock, our love for the flock, our service for the flock. Help us to fulfill what Peter is saying in chapter 5, to remember our very worst moment with our very greatest honor and allow that to be our inspiration to humbly submit to the authorities you've put in place. For those of us, pastors and shepherds, Lord, we're just telling you right now, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we need your guidance. We need your support. We need the love of our flock to help us, to teach us, to love us as we try our best to love them by feeding your sheep. And Lord, we pray that you would guard the flock. And we await the return of the great shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Flock, go out this week, but don't wander too far.